0: Welcome back to Gaming in the Basement. This is part 2 of my interview with Timberbrick. Let's get right into it.
1: You spoke a bit about this before and could you go a little bit more in depth about your streaming journey?
2: Yeah, so I mean I've been watching Twitch over the years. I've looked at it from a distance. There's a bunch of people I follow on YouTube that do street, that do games and do recordings and then you watch them later and we've all me and my wife watch them all the time and we we enjoy that kind of stuff. And so I've kind of been on the outside looking in for a long time, mainly because I didn't really understand what I needed to do to get into the whole thing. I felt like I needed to do a lot of things to get involved. Like I figured I needed so much for my setup. And I'm not saying that getting set up for gaming isn't complicated at times, but it was a lot simpler than I expected. And so when I finally sat down and and kind of wrote out what I needed to get myself set up, I realized how easy it was and decided to kind of jump into it. And so with my wife kind of propelling me forward, giving me that push to say, to just kind of say, forget it, let's just go and start it. And then being able to sit down and just kind of write down what I need, I was able to put together a list and kind of get figured out what I needed and pretty much hit the ground running about. Coming, I'm coming up on about six months in my streaming journey.
1: So if you had to give a streamer some advice or like a new streamer, what's one tip that you would give them and that you think is really, really important to know? This is
2: probably something that's said everywhere. So I guess I'll, I'll lead with that one. And it's definitely something I, I agree with is if you are having fun, don't do it. Like if you're not having fun doing, making the content and enjoying the people you're hanging out with or enjoying the games you're playing, don't do it it's it's not it's not worth doing it if you're gonna make it a job like the whole point of gaming and streaming is that it's it's somewhere to get away from the stresses and and the real world, and you can just kind of relax some and if you're doing if you're gaming and streaming and it doesn't happen that way and you're still finding yourself stressed out or on edge because of all this. It's it's just not worth the extra pain and anguish. Like, Just do it because you want to do it. Don't do it because you feel like you're going to get some kind of gain out of it.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think people come in with the wrong intentions and end up disappointed.
2: Yeah. I mean, is it nice to make money on something like this when you get to a point where you can? Of course it is. No, you know, I'm not going to deny and say that you know getting a little money here and there for something that you were going to do anyway is great it is but i never walk into a stream expecting that i'm going to get anything out of anybody when i stream i stream because i'm playing and i get to interact with people and unfortunately these days i don't get to interact with a huge amount of people outside of my house because yeah. i we just don't go out a lot anymore you know the pandemic kind of screwed up a lot of that stuff so i don't go out as much as i did because of that year and a half that i was stuck inside basically
1: So streaming is kind of my release to talk to people. Like, I've been on just online talking to people a lot more, whether it's through Zoom or I just started using Twitch. So like Twitch wasn't really part of my pandemic experience, but I just feel like there's a lot of people out there who are just trying to connect online. For sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. I can guarantee you that if I get back out to the point where I'm going out as much as I used to, I probably won't be streaming as much and that's probably going to happen at some point, but I will probably, it probably will take a little while because I do enjoy the streaming and I enjoy a lot of the people I've met through streaming. So like, I really want to get to know them better. And I do count a lot of people that I've met and had conversations with in stream to be friends. And so I don't want to just abandon them. You know, I I do want to stick by and, and keep, keep
1: going with them. Would you ever consider like doing a live stream while you're out and about?
2: Oh, that's going to happen. There's an expectation that's actually going to happen. There's me and my wife are actually going to be doing our honeymoon this summer. And as part of our honeymoon, we were intending to do YouTube videos about our kind of vacation journey. We're going to do a whole YouTube series on the prep up to the, up to the, the vacation, we're going to do YouTube videos of us running around, doing a bunch of stuff in town and around the city. And then during all of that, I figured there'll be instances where I'll probably go live. So that that's the intent. I I have a full intent on doing that
1: for sure. Yeah. Let me know when that drops, because that sounds like a really interesting series.
2: Yeah, we're probably going to, I, I actually need to talk to my wife, but I think we're going to start doing some of the, at least the backgrounds filming sooner rather than later and then we're going to end up moving into doing the the Twitch streaming won't be happening until obviously we go on the vacation which won't be until July so
1: okay so you're going on your honeymoon late i me and my husband still haven't gone on our honeymoon do you think that's like a trend i think it's it's kind of two
2: parted i think that it's more likely these days that couples are going on their honeymoons later than their weddings, one, because a lot of us are not able to afford a wedding and a honeymoon, like one right after the other, not unless we're getting a bunch of money from everybody. And then I also think that there's some expectation that with the pandemic and everything that happened, I think a lot of people are avoiding doing their honeymoons right after their wedding due to making sure they're not sick. So that way they have to cancel their honeymoons. And so I think there's a lot of trends based on that. But I mean, I've been noticing over the decades, over the past decade or two, that people just haven't been taking their honeymoon right after their wedding anyway. And I think it's just a bit of really wanting to plan it out and have a really memorable honeymoon instead of kind of like a quick put together honeymoon.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, even your honeymoon sounds like it's going to be really meaningful, like you already planned this YouTube series around it. That's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be an, an exciting time. We're really excited about everything that we've planned. It's a two-week cruise through the Mediterranean, hitting up a bunch of countries, so we're, we're really excited about it.
1: Oh, that sounds beautiful. Do you have a favorite stream you like to think back on? Favorite stream?
2: You know, when I stream, I don't expect anything out of my stream. Like, I'm usually just happy that people are in my stream and I'm able to talk to some people. So whenever I end up getting raided, for anybody who doesn't Twitch stream rating is when another channel ends, they bring their community over to a different person's stream and they kind of add to their viewership. And so whenever I get rated, I'm always shocked. I always love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's really an honor when someone entrusts me with their community. I think it's very, very important to make sure that you're, Seeing that not just as a, oh, I've got some more viewers, but you're also seeing that as the person who sent them to me thinks that I'm someone that they'll enjoy. And that's important. That's an important thing to me. So there was a stream, it was about, I think it was about a month ago, where I was playing one of my favorite games at the time, No Man's Sky, still is my favorite game right now. I play it all the damn time, even when I'm off stream. I was playing the game and I was just hanging out and I, you know, ate. 5 6 viewers something like that. And I was I was doing okay. I was pretty happy, but I was getting pretty tired and I decided it was time for me to probably go to bed. And but I but it was just one thing I really wanted to do and so I was like all right, I'll finish this and then I'll go to bed. And right around that time, probably about 5 or 10 minutes after I had kind of made that decision in my head, I got raided by a streamer who had a significant amount of viewers. They came in he came in with I think 50 viewers oh, and wow. My, my numbers went obviously straight from like eight to like 60. I was beside myself. Like I was absolutely shocked. And then right after that, another streamer friend of mine also rated me with like another 50 viewers now, not all of them stayed, but like, at, you know, I was just like floored at how many people had come in. And I just remember being completely flabbergasted and just absolutely floored by the fact that these people entrusted me with their, with their communities. and. I ended up continuing streaming for like another three or four hours just because I was like riding this energy high on this, this, this particular night. And I think that was probably one of my favorite streams just because I felt like they, they really, they really had faith in me as a streamer. And that's a big thing for me is that people really have this mentality of humbleness, but also just genuine, like, genuine care about what you're doing like it's like almost like you know you put care into what you're doing and you really appreciate those around you that trust you to keep people entertained
1: most definitely so when you notice you get like 30 40 50 and upwards people in there does it affect how you're streaming? Do you do you get nervous? You know, it's it's funny.
2: I would. I I know a lot of people who probably do get a little more nervous when that happens. I, I actually don't. I actually tend to ease off a little bit. I tend to get a little looser and and a little more chatty when that kind of stuff happens. I'm weird though, so that's, that's probably in <laughs> a different category. Because you know, most of my streams are usually in the teens. I don't get a huge amount of people, which is fine. I'm not complaining about it. But you know, for me to get in the twenties and thirties is very, very, very rare. I think I've only had that twice, and one of those was that massive stream that I got dropped on. And so, when that happened, it was great because there was a bunch of people talking in chat. And as a streamer, I, I can imagine you feel similarly when you're streaming. When you're streaming, if there's nobody talking in chat, you feel like you're not able. It's really hard to keep the 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 people watching engaged it's really hard to keep them entertained and so because you'd basically have to come up with talking points in your head while it's all going on but when the when the chat is busy and there's a bunch of you know messages going thrown around and people are having conversations it makes your job as a streamer so much easier to be able to interact
1: yeah i agree with that 100 percent. because i think i feel like as twitch streamers like our job is is to interact like we provide video games, but like how many other people are playing the same video game you are like? Exactly. Our job is to interact. And if we can't do that, it's hard to come up with content because that's pretty much what our content is.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's hard to it's hard to be expected to keep a conversation going when there's nobody to have a conversation with.
1: So what are your goals and vision with your Twitch community and your channel? I mean, I, I have
2: pretty straight, pretty simple stuff. Like I've like mentioned, I'm really just happy whenever people come by and hang out. I don't necessarily have this, you know, aggressive goal to be a big time streamer. I have a great job that I get paid very well at. So I am very happy with where I am in my life. My streaming is more just a supplement to help expand my community, help get to know people, meet people I would have never otherwise met that I may have a connection with. So I think my journey is really just a matter of continuing to help people find an outlet, to help entertain them, to help maybe make a few days people brighter on days that have been rather crappy, and just kind of get to know people and just interact. That's really, that's really the whole goal I have. My vision is just to, I never, I never really see myself as becoming this massive gamer. Like as long as I can just have a nice group of people, a fun group of people that I can interact with and that I can enjoy and call friends. I'm good with that. That sounds like it should be the core of why you stream. And- yeah, for sure. I think it's hard to, to have all these lofty goals. It's, it's great to have goals. But I think it's, it's hard to do these kinds of high level goals like some people do because I feel like there's just a lot of room to be let down because just like with acting or any of these professions, as a streamer, you're, you have a very slim possibility of being one of the best or being one of the, one of the most, you know, highest grossing because it's a matter of chance and it's a matter of. Does the, do the people that you're trying to connect with, do they connect with you? You know, so I mean, to try to expect like all of these big time goals out of your stream is honorable, but it has a lot of chance to fail. And I don't want to see people be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think one big thing you just said is chance. There's a, it, it's left up to a lot of chance. Yeah. You know, you really don't have control over it. I also think the reasons why you do it, if you're doing it like for reasons like you are, like to make friends, to have fun, to like let off some steam and help other people let off some steam, I think it it can grow really organically that way. But I think if you're just doing it to make money and be famous, like those, it just, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So you answered this question already. As a streamer, what is something you think is very important and a core principle to your streaming philosophy?
2: Yeah, the biggest importance to me or the biggest thing that I try to focus on when I'm streaming is trying to enrich people's lives, make people, you know, you're having a shitty day and you come into my stream and maybe I help make your day a little better. Or, you know, I give you something to laugh about when everything around you seems to be like horrible or or serious matters. I am the kind of person that wants to spread joy and, and laughter. I don't want to spread depression and anxiety that's not the kind of person I am so I guess the biggest thing for me the most important thing for me and what's at the core of my streaming is just just to help make people help give
1: people a little bit of light when there's otherwise darkness all around you you stream with a cam do you think having a cam for your stream makes a difference and how so
2: well I'm a very emotive person I have a lot of facial expressions and I do a lot of hand gestures and things like that. I'm not Italian, but I do tend to have a lot of that kind of mentality. So the cam for me is kind of important because it allows me to connect with the audience better. I feel it allows Mm -hmm. them to really be a part of my stream. I think a lot of times when you're just talking through, through voice chat, there's still a level of disconnect you can have where you're not really experiencing the game in the same way that the person who's streaming is when you're watching someone like you are, like when you watch someone on TV or in a movie, you there's a lot of times when there's things that are unsaid that you pick up on by simply seeing them. And although I am not saying I am an actor by any stretch of the imagination, I think that there are times when you can pick up on stuff just based off of a facial expression or on a reaction that has no verbal cues. So for me having a cam is actually
1: pretty important. Have you ever had a facial reaction that was just so involuntary and you wish you hadn't had it?
2: No, I I don't tend to I don't tend to have anything in terms of how I react to things that are regrets. I tend to whatever it is is I don't watch my streams because I don't want to but well actually yeah because I don't want to. I don't like watching myself it's probably a, a a pro. It's probably something a lot of us have problems with. Unless you're a narcissist, you don't like really seeing yourself over and over again. So I don't rewatch my streams. So I can't tell you whether or not there's been something that I've done or said that I regret. So when it's in the moment, I just kind of accept that what is is, and then I just move on with it. I do try to be cautious about what I'm saying because I definitely don't want to ostracize or or put down
1: anybody without you know just involuntarily sometimes you may even think of something to say and it might be misconstrued as something else you just really have to kind of have a filter on oh yeah
2: i think there's a big level of you having to sit there and kind of think about what you're about to say before you say it just so that you can like analyze it and see if what you're going to say could be a problem
1: so what are your thoughts on the current state of video games
2: I think there's a lot of great things happening with them. I think there are a lot of designers, game developers that are doing some awesome things. They are pushing the bounds of technology. They're creating some interesting stories. I think the problem comes from the consumer. I think that there's too many consumers who are buying into the games that we really shouldn't be buying into or or buying into the games that are probably not really helping us overall i think that you have games like assassin's creed which at the beginning was this amazing series that gave you this huge input into history and background into worlds that we would have never otherwise thought about and gave you this fascinating kind of alternate storyline which was i thought beautifully written for the first second and even into the third storyline and then something changed in, this, in the game, and I don't know why. And all of a sudden, it started seeming like it went into this mindless, just hack and slash game. And it was kind of upsetting to see it kind of go downhill. And then they started creating these fant- fantastical worlds that seems like it was just off the reservation. And I think that there's too many games that are just trying to appease the hack and slash world, and there's not enough. We're going into trying to create memorable and important stories. Because at the end of the day, the games that we remember are the ones that have the meaningful stories. Zelda, mm-hmm. Mass Effect, Halo, even to a point. Halo had a huge hack and slash campaign. It was beautifully written. Lesson Creed, you know, there's, I can list any number of games that have come out that have wonderful storylines. But they don't seem to quite do as well in the long term in some cases. And that's upsetting because those games are the
1: ones that we remember. Do you have an example? Games that you remember that stood up long term?
2: The ones that will forever stick into my head because they have this. Yeah, it's a fantasy world, but it it has a really interesting developing story between. A young knight and his queen and this love that they share but this unrequited love because he knows he can't be with her and there's there's this kind of it's almost like a movie-esque romance story almost like a romeo and juliet that without the capulets and the montagues and it it's it's one that every time i see the story it's just it's always this beautiful story
1: how do you feel like the story of the Legend of Zelda has progressed from like when it first came out on those golden NES cartridges to now?
2: It's become more about the story, I think these days. If it, when I played the original Zelda in the old the, the the very first Legend of Zelda, it was mainly just an RPG story. It was about this knight saving the, the princess. Sorry, it was about Link saving Zelda from Ganon, and that's kind of the whole point of the basis. And so It was a great story because it was an RPG and it was like a story story storyline. But then as you developed, you got into Ocarina of Time and then you started developing this understanding of why Link is so dedicated to Zelda. It's not just because he's a knight, but also because he kind of loves her. And then you moved into Majora's mask and then you had this introduction of this secondary character, which he didn't necessarily love. I don't know for sure, but he at least had strong feelings for. And then you got into the newer games like Breath of the Wild, which I thought Breath of the Wild, at least in my opinion right now is, is the pinnacle of the Zelda story because they give Link this immense background. You have all of these different cultures and people within those cultures that have either romantic relationships, long-term friendships, hatreds for him and for what he represents. And I just I it fascinates me every time that Nintendo comes out with a new version of Zelda, how fantastic they do with the storyline.
1: Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Like I played like the early NES Zelda game, and I was so frustrated. I just stopped playing it until Breath of the Wild. People were saying in comments like it's not the same Zelda that it used not to be. Close. Yeah, and then people who didn't enjoy. The Zelda games. They came to this version. and They were like, I just, I never thought I would play a Zelda game, but n- now, like, things have changed, you know. So I was like, I got to try it, and I'm glad I did. I think it was like, like changing.
2: <laughs> I legitimately, I, there are very few video games that I feel genuine emotion in because of the fact that I still, at the end of the day, remember that they're video games. You get attached to characters and you and you enjoy characters, but Zelda: Breath of the Wild and the story they told in Breath of the Wild, like, genuinely brought out sadness anger like fear in me playing the game like i was genuinely involved in the story not just in the video game and that was something that i applaud nintendo for
1: doing yeah i mean it was it was pretty amazing i'm just hoping they don't mess it up with the second one yeah that's what i was just about to say are you looking forward to the second one like what hopes do you have what fears do you have I really am
2: looking forward to the second one. I think that as long as the, the the creative team that did Breath of the Wild works on the second one, I think they can do a lot of good things with it.
1: Fingers crossed. So you mentioned games that you have a, like an emotional connection with, like Breath of the Wild. Are there any other games that kind of evoke that same emotion with you?
2: You know, I, I I legitimately struggle to think of any games with that level of connection. I I definitely have some level of emotional connection with the assassin's creed game i think mm-hmm. there was some good storyline told there but i don't know that i have quite as deep an as of an as emotional connection as i do with breath of the wild the witcher series is another good one that does a great job of storytelling that i would say is is a solid solid game for just from a movie perspective let alone a game perspective I can't really think of many others. A lot of the others, I just kind of take at face value and, and look at them and go, yep, they're video games. And I just move on.
1: As far as the Witcher series, how engrossed are you in the story? Have you um, looked at any of the books? Have you seen like, the Netflix series?
2: We have watched the Netflix shows. I really enjoy the Netflix show. I think that Henry Cavill was an amazing cast for that. I'm really sad to see him go for the next series because I think that He really made Geralt what he was because he understood what Geralt was. And so he really helped make the character as effectively similar to books and games as he could. I have not read the books, although I've heard the books are good. They are in my Amazon cart. I do need to get them at some point. I am currently in process of clearing off my bookshelf of all my books right now. And I have quite a few in backlog.
1: Oh, same here. I I keep them in a basket next to my chair, hoping that one day I'll pick one up. It hasn't happened yet. So do you have any hobbies? Like, what do you do outside of gaming?
2: So I do watch a lot of TV and movies. Me and my wife are currently making our way through the Star Trek universe. My wife had never watched any, so we finished The Next Generation, and we finished the original series. Now we're moving into DS9, and we're really enjoying DS9 so we do watch a lot of movies we've done a disney movie marathon as well which all all of the animated movies ever that disney has ever made we've watched i enjoy reading legos obviously as we've mentioned are one of my big hobbies i also do swing dancing lindy hop i've been doing that for 15 years oh wow yeah 15 years And so I do that. I haven't done it a lot lately because the pandemic kind of screwed that up, but I have been meaning to go back
1: and try to do that again. I tried swing dancing once. It is hard. So if you had the rate, the Star Treks, like the top three, what would they be?
2: For me, I definitely think that Next Generation is is first on the list for me. Now, I'm not going to include any of the new stuff because I haven't watched the new stuff. Like I haven't watched... Picard or Strange New World, and I haven't—I haven't even watched what was the other one before. Was it Discovery? Maybe it was Discovery. Yeah, I haven't watched any of those, so I have to catch up on those. So I'm literally looking at anything basically pre two thousand is the only stuff I've kind of got okay. right now. I definitely think the next generation is is top of the list. It's Patrick Stewart—you just can't beat him. You can't. But honestly. I was going to put the original series as two, because even as campy as it is, I thought the stories were better. But honestly, I'm kind of thinking that I might have to slide DS9 up in the number two spot. I really enjoy Commander Sisko. I think in a lot of ways, he's even better than Picard.
1: Wait, hold hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know,
2: know, no, I know, I know. That, that, That is a triggering statement. But Sisko has this air about him of calmness, Also of tolerance and forcefulness and like authoritativeness, like he's got this all around good nature and I love his development through DS nine and how he's gone from this strict, strict, like letter of the law person to he's, he's evolved into this understanding of everything that he's involved in and the people that he works with. And, and it's, I've really enjoyed seeing his evolution. More so than Picard, because Picard, sorry, at the end of the day, evolved from episode one to the final. He was the same person through the whole show. That's
1: that's very true. No, I agree with that.
2: And I think it's important for a leader to evolve. And so I think that seeing Cisco evolve has made me really happy.
1: Yeah, I think with Deep Space Nine, just even the crew was a little bit more like diverse. You had like more like aliens and stuff.
2: Oh yeah, seeing Quark as seeing Quark as part of the basically part of the crew, even though he's not, was has always been funny to see. Yeah, uh, the you have Kira and the Pajoran, who has softened quite a bit since her beginning because she's realizing she's not in the war anymore. And then, you know, even the Doctor, is he's always he always makes me laugh because he's basically the the Riker of the show, but not because he's also very timid in a lot of ways. What was your third pick? I'm going to have to go the original series for number three. Okay. I just, there's something about the original that just is too good. I mean, George, Chaney, okay. Kurt, William Shatner and the whole Scotty and Bones and a hor Like, they're just too good. Like, you can't beat them. Horrible, horrible graphics. Horrible acting. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> storylines.
1: Yeah, the special effects were lacking. But yeah, the the story were were interesting and different for the time and fun
2: yeah and that that's i think what what puts it toward the top for me is the fact that they were really we look at those shows now and real and they look at them and say oh those don't feel very controversial but they have to you have to remember when that came out and in the 60s that was some controversial shit
1: i think that's why when next generation came out people were afraid that it wasn't gonna do the first one justice just because of the time when that came out, there was so much going on around it. It has yeah. all this like mystery attached with it that next generation doesn't have. But also at the same time, I don't know. It, I mean, I like next generation because that's what I grew up with. Totally, totally understand that. So you've been embarking on an inspirational weight loss journey. So during your weight loss journey, what's the most surprising thing that you've discovered so far?
2: I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it inspirational, but I, I appreciate your kindness in calling it inspirational.
1: Inspirational because, I mean, I've been talking to you about like weight loss stuff. And, you know, like when I don't want to go, I just think about you and how you, you started on this journey and you're sticking with it. And it's just like, if you can do it, I can do it. So it's, it's inspired me to stick with my workouts. Well, that's I don't nice to hear. Yeah. So you can't say
2: that. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I guess I can't say it anyway, because of the fact that I can't, I don't govern what inspires other people. So I guess as, as kind of, a, I can't avoid it either way. For me, the thing that's, that's kind of, I guess I'll say surprised me the most has been the fact that I was able to pick it back up as easily as I could. Cause there was a time when I was more in shape and then, you know, as anyone who's as any, as anyone can tell you, time takes its toll. And you just, you lack, you know, some people, a lot of people over time just lack the 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 commitment to keep going. And so, you know, because you can only eat so many cups of broccoli and boneless, skinless chicken over your lifetime. And so, you know, you just kind of jump off the wagon, not unintentionally, just because you don't want to live eating the same old stuff. And so I slowly started gaining weight back and I got to a point where I just didn't want to be there anymore. and. I was surprised toward the beginning. I was obviously, you know, you start working out and your body is just naturally tired and because your body's like, "Oh my god, I haven't done this in so long. I don't want to do this anymore." And so what I was really surprised quickly I was able to jump back into the workout routine and really get into really pushing myself and being able to to give myself that push to do it. It's been very interesting watching how Quickly it can turn from oh God, I don't want to do this, into oh my god, I can't believe I didn't do this.
1: Yeah. How long did it take you to get to that point? Two weeks. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not and... not very long. Yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks or encouragement for those who may be starting their weight loss journey?
2: You know, it may sound cliche and it may sound kind of hammy, but just don't give up. Like keep pushing. it it does get easier. It really does. It's, it's not a joke. It, if you're trying to take a few pounds off, you know, you only pretty much have to deal with that first hurdle, but understand that if you're, if you have a lot of weight to get off and you really want to do it, you really have to have the drive to do it. And if you don't, you're not going to succeed. And I don't want to sound like negative, but you really have to have that push. If you don't have that push to continuously improve yourself and to make this, make the changes that you need to, to get those, those losses, those, those ma- major losses, then it's, it's not going to turn out positive for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think not for me, Nancy, but still, you have to take your time. You have to be okay with not losing a whole ton of weight at once and just being consistent. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got to build up the habits a little bit at a time. So that's because you can't do it all at once. Yeah, it's not going to come fast. It yeah. takes
2: a while. The more you have to lose, the longer it takes. And you just got
1: to be accepting of that. All right. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I have one more question for you. It's your surprise question. Of so if you could change the ending of one video game, what would it be and how would you change it?
2: To one video game? That's going to take me a minute. I have to think of what games I've played that I've, like, raged at the end of. Like, that I've looked at and gone, are you kidding me right now?
1: I mean, I've certainly read books like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I
2: mean, there's plenty of books that have that that mentality, but for the most part, it's, like, video games? I, I feel like in the moment I have the, the continuation anger where you can tell they're going to, like, continue it in another game, and you're like, God damn it! And like, (laughs) you don't want to see that happen that way. But I can't really think of any games that I've played that I've been angry at the ending. Yeah. the sense of, I thought they could have done it better. Yeah. Because
1: I'm not a game developer. I don't know what they could have done differently. Yeah. Uh, So is it the game developers that usually tell the story or does somebody write it?
2: I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, the way that the gamer, the game designers draw the characters and and create the characters i think plays a big role in how you feel about the characters but obviously there is probably an external writer that's writing the game script so i mean it's a little bit of both i think yeah just like with visual effects in movies visual effects can make a good story great and can make a bad story good just by camera angles and things like that
1: if they make you feel like you're there and it's more interactive and you have like a personal connection to it. For sure. All right. So thank you so much for your time and thanks for being with us. Could you list out your socials just so we know where to find you?
2: Yeah, you can always find me on Twitch. Timber Brick is pretty straightforward. Timber like the wood and then brick like the building material. And then my Instagram is the same, underscore 86. That's right, 80s babies. And then my YouTube is same name, Timberbrick. I think it's at Timberbrick on the end. And then that's pretty much, I've tried to create all my socials to be
1: the same for everything. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good idea. It makes you easier to find
0: i really hope you enjoyed this interview get to know timber brick on his twitch channel and don't forget to follow my music was by dj kern she's on soundcloud go check her out this is the end of season one and i can't express my gratitude so much work and love went into this podcast and i didn't know if people would listen but you did listen and you shared and we all grew together and for that i thank you so much i want to give a very special thanks to all the streamers that came out this season to share their stories with us Savior 420, Magic Ninja Robot, uh, Smoke Devil Billy Kazama, Kaleth 0467, Tisa and Timberbrick. Uh, since starting this podcast, I've met more streamers and heard more stories that I would love to share with the rest of you. In season two, we're gonna be focusing on women streamers, something that was seriously lacking in this season. In season three, we'll be talking to groups of friends that have some history of gaming together and ended up streaming together. Season four, we'll be highlighting black streamers. And in season 5, we'll be revisiting some of the streamers that we've interviewed. There are some fantastic streamers who don't fit into any of these categories, and for them, there's a podcast for that. I'll be rolling out After Hours in the Basement. We'll still talk gaming and streaming, but it's more freeform with no themes. After Hours, we'll be on the same channel. Next week, there's one more surprise podcast before retiring the season. This special is titled The Homies. The homies are people I started my streaming journey with. We got a chance to sit down and talk. And sometimes the conversations went off on random tangents, but they're my homies and they're awesome. I hope you get a chance to listen and see why I'm honored to call them such. Thank you guys again for an incredible season. Um, I would never believed that I would have so many people listening. Just a podcast about gaming and being willing to check out some new and awesome streamers. They all have amazing communities and hopefully now you're a part of them. Thank you. And I know this is so many thank yous, but I'm very grateful and, you know, thanks for uh, coming into my Twitch streams and for uh, checking out all these amazing people I've gotten to interview. I just can't wait to see where they're headed and I'm very excited to revisit them again. Again, thank you guys so much for your overwhelming love and support and thank you for gaming.
1: I feel like the hardest part of working out is just getting to the gym. And my gym's in my garage, so I really don't have an excuse. But just the men- the mental games I go through to like convince myself not to do it, and it's like fighting myself to go. Yeah,
2: yeah, I get that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on a schedule right now where I'm working out all every day. And so when you work out on that kind of a rigorous schedule, it makes it a little more easy to work out because of the fact that your, your brain turns into this scheduling mode where it just knows, okay, at this time I work out and that's it. And so it does make it easier if you can set that, that kind of schedule, because your brain is very much a schedule based organ. So if you have it in your head, I'm going to do this from this to this, it just knows to do it. Cause now I go to my, my trainer every day. Well, not every day, every other day at, from at like four o'clock and my, now, if I'm not going to the trainer four o'clock, my brain is like, what, what, no, what, no, we have to do this. This is, this is part of our schedule. So it's, it's interesting to see how, how ingrained that becomes.